You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Well, the big talking point as uh, we end off the week in markets uh, is no doubt the uh, President's Economic Reconstruction and Recovery Plan announced yesterday. Just to recap, uh, we've, we've got infrastructure investment of 340 billion rand rising to a trillion rand in four years. We've heard that before. 100 billion rand investment uh, over three years, of which 13.8 billion is to be spent by the end of March next year. That's for 800,000 work opportunities in mass public employment programs, energy security, additional megawatts from renewables, self-gen and gas. That's to come online within two years and measures for localization to boost domestic industrialization. Well, is it wish list or workable? Warwick Lucas, Chief Investment Officer and Galileo Asset Managers and Raymond Parsons of the School of Business and Governance at Northwest University as always with your end of the week. Uh, Warwick, just as uh, we look at the markets though, the one thing that stands out for me so far is that uh, very much in the small and sort of mid-cap space, we've seen uh, a big uh, jump in share prices over the last while, and earnings have tended to beat a very pessimistic and bearish market view. Yeah, hi, uh, Michael, and uh, good evening to the listeners. Look, I think in terms of what's happened with many of these local companies is we are seeing some degree of separation in terms of whether there is a post-lockdown rebound or not. A good example of that would be something like what we are seeing with the uh, building type companies. A good example, for example, today coming out as a substantially uh, more positive operating update from um, York Timber. I mean, we could see in the um, results of a building products retailer like um, Uh, cash build which put out quite detailed um, guidance as to how weekly trading was going after its results and this was a couple of months ago and you could see post level four and back into level three very sharp rebounds occurring in in the likes of construction so you know where you had some kind of physical activity there was a kind of a catch-up but quite clearly in the likes of services. I mean, services are often forgotten permanently. So you can see where the rebounds are happening and where the permanent destruction is happening. But clearly, um, the the differences now are starting to come through, through, I should say, whereas you're going to see some kind of demand following through with this this, um, physical implementation in something like uh, hotels, for example. I mean, it remains very, very limited. It's business foregone and frankly, it's questionable as to how much of that business for gone would actually come back. Uh, certainly with some of those uh, major tourist nations still on the blacklist in terms of reopening our international borders. Raymond, the, the president will be um, leading on a fast rebound uh, to help support his economic plans announced yesterday. Uh, the precarious balance here between the proverbial rock of uh, proactive government policy and the hard place of debt unsustainability is a difficult one to strike. Did the president strike that balance or leave it to the finance minister? I think we must see it in the way of that the one shoe did drop, in fact, yesterday in terms of the growth plan. The other shoe will need to drop on the 28th of October with, with the so-called mini-budget. So I, I think we won't have the full picture or the net impact of these two events until we've seen what is in the mini-budget and how the Minister of Finance has been able to reconcile 
his fiscal sustainability on the one hand with fleshing out this particular growth program on the other. I must say, looking at, at the growth plan uh, on its own, one ends the week in a much more more positive light in the sense that one felt that in, in the growth plan there was the basic recognition of how urgent the situation uh, has become, that we are in an, an economic crisis, that we need to implement far better, uh, and there were some hints as to how that could be done. And then also to narrow down the priorities to four, which makes them much more manageable and easier uh, to assess and indeed to also, uh, in fact, implement. So that in one sense, I think we're beginning to break out of what I call a community trap, that we are beginning to reach out for some interesting solutions. The other side is, of course, we must understand that the reality is that although the growth plan has as its father the national development plan and was reaffirmed yesterday, uh, it means that if we successfully implement everything in the growth plan, we hope to get a 3% growth rate on average over the next decade. I would just remind us that the original NDP had dedicated a 5.4% average growth rate, which tells you how much ground we've lost, how much potential has been damaged, and why we need to make this, this growth plan work. And the important point is, I think we're also at the point where we will no longer be given the benefit of the doubt. We have to deliver uh, both in terms of the plan and in terms of whatever might be said in the mini-budget. So I think there's, there's quite a lot riding on this. Uh, and I think the important point now is to use these building blocks effectively. But above all, it comes back, if you want, to uh, disprove the skeptics. You're going to have to accept the onus that you will turn this round, you will implement it, and you will crack the whip in both the public and the private sectors to make what is in the growth plan, in fact, operational. I think that is what the country is calling for. And if you want to build credibility and confidence, that's what you've got to do in the months ahead. Warwick, where do you see uh, the major credibility gaps with this uh, particular economic recovery plan? I mean, obviously the intent is there. It's been a very long time since we saw any sign of Minister Mbawani's mooted plans turning into tyres actually hitting the road. Now, I mean, we've started to see that with action in terms of uh, the power plans and in terms of um, bandwidth spectrum getting freed up, but uh, it's certainly taken some time to get that traction. Look, I think part of it has, has been a, a case of um, the internal politics of the ANC have taken some time to work their way through, and I think they have finally worked their way through, and I think we're suddenly seeing a burst of activity that is evidence, one, that power is consolidated and that there is a definite wish to get things done and get going with the process. So I say that with a caveat in mind, that obviously one of the biggest problems that we've spoken about before ad nauseum, I dare say, is the lack of a capable state and the problem of cadre deployment and, and who actually implements now, obviously, for infrastructure and government spending type programs to be effective, it obviously has to be uh, ethically administered 
and economically effective. In other words, that the money you spend, one, all goes to the project properly, and two, that the project itself makes sense and delivers an um, e- economic um, uh, flywheel effect. In other words, it, 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 it spins over and spins over again. So we're talking here about 100 billion rand over the next three years to create jobs through assorted public uh, works jobs. Uh, we're talking about generation or new generational capacity of something like 11,800 megawatts. Now, the simple fact of the matter is these are absolutely enormous tasks and actually hitting those and not fluffing them up is a stretch target indeed. So implementation is going to be critical here. It certainly does help that the number of uh, charge sheets of problematic public servants is growing and they are being taken out of circulation, but there still is an awful lot to be done and not an awful lot of time to do it in. Mm, And Raymond, on implementation, uh, the speech did, as expected, mention Operation Vulundlela uh, becoming a more sort of solidified JV between Treasury and the presidency, regularly reporting to the presidency, but gave no real details on its powers or how it would operate or be capacitated to shift from the status quo and drive implementation. Surely that was a bit of a missed opportunity because the market, um, while it, we've heard much of the, the, the plans before, would have been looking for something to provide confidence on that keyword of implementation. That is the elephant in the room, and it remains the elephant in the room, as it was when we originally accepted the National Development Plan, and here we are almost a decade later. Uh, as I said uh, it, to someone else today, when I looked at the growth plan yesterday, I was meeting an old friend again, um, uh, because I could see all all the outlines of implementation, state capacity. I think what's important here is this is not a very bold program. It's simply saying it's a sign of how far we've drifted that even doing what we promised before now looks like a Mount Everest. I mean, I think I think that, that, that sends a very strong message about the urgency and what we have to do. What I liked about it was the fact, although there, there is a downside, of course, when you go through these protracted negotiations. uh, But it now having endorsed, being endorsed by, for example, Nedlap, I think this is an opportunity. It it is a leverage uh, of commitment, which you have, which you didn't have before, uh, which hopefully will be used to expedite some of the issues here that that have said we are going to commit ourselves to do. Mm. I think the important point here is also you can't also expect whatever you're saying in the plan, uh, expect these things to happen unless the government machine itself is revamped. I mean, you can't go on, on taking your decisions in the way you've been doing up until now with, as you say, having the wrong people in important jobs, either not being on top of it, not being able to take those decisions or being swayed by corruption or whatever it may be. It, it's a huge thing, and I think that if you want to prove the skeptics wrong, it's going to be necessary to really also revamp the government machine to look at which ministers are delivering and which are not. It's really that's there. Are you going to cut the public sector wage for? Let me tell you, there are some more tough decisions lying ahead. Those will be the tests of leadership. So that's why I said earlier, until we have both the growth plan 
and the end, and indeed the mini budget on the table, we will then know what the chances are of us being able to do it. Having the funds available is also not enough. Even if, if the Minister of Finance assembles some money, someone has to turn it into infrastructure, turn it into services, turn it into efficiency. And that, that is absolutely crucial. It will not be enough to throw money at these issues. We've already had experience aware of, that, of what happened there. So the important test, once again, comes back to the issue that what is, uh, uh, what is at stake here. And when I think, for example, the credit rating agencies will be looking at us, the IMF and so forth, they'll be saying, we're not giving you the benefit of the doubt anymore. You now have to deliver. You've got a plan on the table. Mm rooted in several past failures to implement good plans. You now have your chance. Let's see. And I think I got the impression that that is what the president would like. And take the tough decisions, Raymond. Sorry, I've got to interject there because we're running yeah. out of time. 2.8 million South Africans have lost their jobs. And I'm sure not many in the public sector outside a few SOEs. And if you factor in productivity, which is diabolical, one recalls Churchill's words when he said, never in the field of human work has so much been earned by so many for doing bugger all. Raymond Parsons and Warwick Lucas uh, with your week that was here on Classic Business.